The following is a Feltnout production. To find out more, visit feltnout.co.uk. Ladies, gentlemen, and non-binary friends, welcome to Time Travel Episode Six. Dean, my name is Raul Curley, and I'm here with my co-host, Mr. Michael Milligan. Mike, how are you? Raul, I'm just all the better for seeing you, you lovely man. Likewise, just... I'm all the better for looking in a mirror behind. No, I'm all the better <laughs> for seeing you too, Mike. Before we crack on, I just want to quickly say uh, uh, you can sign up to the Patreon for this podcast uh, and for all a lot of comedy here in the Northeast, uh, the Feltnout Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Feltnout. Still don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Patreon, Patreon, whatever you want to call it. You join the club, you get a membership card, a handshake, and a password. You help build the future of Northeast comedy. You get this podcast first, you get bonus content from this episode. Episode, videos on demand, live tickets, and you help support the future of Northeast comedy. Now, today uh, uh, we're recording in October. This is probably for release around Halloween. So we're going to go uh, uh, along the route of some of the spookier, scarier, more mythical, and ghostly stories, which I'm sure our colleague Barry Dodds would be a huge fan of. Yes, yeah, we should have had Bazza here. We should have. We, really, we, we should yeah. get him on an episode and talk we about like, you know, that. Barry's do. a great comedian whose uh, favourite pastime is ghost hunting. Um, Nonetheless, before we crack on to that, uh, this is the first time me and you have been together, Mike, since the live show. O-M-J. Yeah, because you were doing uh, great toony stuff, which we were very impressed with. I uh, did uh, a few different things, yeah. I popped off to Milan away. I went to PSG at home, filmed something for TNT Sports. I was very annoyed, actually, because I said on TNT Sports, and they said, what can you... When they were filming, they said, what, what can we expect from Wednesday night against PSG? I said, expect the unexpected on the cathedral under the hill, under the lights... Anything can happen. I think that atmosphere will be so raucous. The French won't be able to think. And I think it'll be 4-0. And Longstaff and Byrne, the local boys, will step up and get goals. And I wasn't far off, but they didn't broadcast that bit, which I'm very heartbroken about. Look like a Geordie Nostradamus. That is scary. Like, I'm surprised I haven't suspended you like Tonali. <laughs> with uh, insider knowledge. Were, were you and Sandra together? Were you? Oh, man, if you hadn't scored that one goal, were you and die? I hope he's all right, though. because I, I, have, uh, have you heard the new chant about that? What? Sandro Tonali, he likes a Betty because he forgetty. He's not supposed to. <laughs> uh, how do you think the live show went, Mike? Um, I think the live show was fabulous. I thought you and Dan were brilliant. I felt I could have been a teeny bit better. I'm a bit, I'm a bit annoyed with three things from my own perspective. Number one, I feel like I could have done that without notes, but I gave myself too much to, to take in, uh, and I could have just cut a few things out. Jane Grey, maybe. We didn't need Sunderland, Middlesbrough, and, and Hartlepool in there. Um, and Meb's just made it a bit more spot on. And I Meb's rushed things a bit because I, I planned for Milan immediately after. And I think I put that trip a little bit before the show, uh, and I'm a bit I'm apologetic about that. Can I just uh, stop you there, right? Um, you, uh, I mean, you, you and I came up with this idea sitting in the green room about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Nobody worked harder than you, mate. You oh, put, thank you very you, kindly, no, 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 but you, sometimes I don't focus on right, the correct things and I can let people down. and soul into that show. You did more, more than anybody to get it going, to put it right. Um, and I really think you're being far too harsh on yourself because you I were. Think, the, I think it's good to be harsh on oneself. 
Not too much, because no, no, because I do it myself, mate, man. Yeah, I, yeah, Ron and I are comics with ADHD who every now and then get ourselves out, nail that's ourselves it, to the wall, and, and set fire to our pubes. Yep, that's Just, what we do. We take on too much and get you know, yeah. exhausted by it. I think that's what happened to me. Um, what I will say is, did you read the review? No. It was by and large very glowing from NARC. They got a few free tickets and they came um, and they, they watched and they said, by and large, it was a success. It was great, very interesting. And they did say it was too rehearsed, which I think was probably based on me reading from notes uh, into the review from NARC. Um, well, not. what the heck did drugs please know about comedy shows, <laughs> to be fair? <laughs> Undercover yeah. detectives, I couldn't see them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, is that rehearsed enough for you? Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, fuck your mother. Yeah. Is that rehearsed yeah. enough for you? Uh, uh, maybe bleep that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, let's get up the spooky stuff. Stories. Uh, I, I know you've got uh, some great stories from Alan Robson's book, Grizzly Tales of Northumbria. I've, I've got a couple I want to talk about. The first, I think it's probably the f- most famous sort of story about a monster. A real, well, not a real monster, maybe a real it monster. Might be real. But I think it could have been. Yeah. Could, you never know. Uh, something sort of. Um, from almost like Loch Ness monster type story. Uh, it's, it's a story, a very famous story made famous by a song, The Lampton Worm. How much do you know about this story, Mike? Wish lads had their gobs. Had, I know that. <laughs> he knows the song off my heart. I know like. the song. Um, but non Geordie's listening, uh, wished. It's that been quiet? Yeah, it's Scottish as well, isn't it? Scottish, wished, yeah, I've wished, heard it wished in Scotland, I've never heard it in the North East, and yeah. had your gobs had his holes, and your gobs is your mouth. Yeah, I, 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 I one day, young Langton, he went to fishing, and there we are. He caught, uh, I don't know what it was, something on his huke he thought was... It was very, a worm, it was a worm. A worm, <laughs> a worm. <laughs> the lambton worm, he wasn't going to catch a whale, was he now? <laughs> he caught a being, um, he caught an entity. Um, it I, was an entity. Well, it, it, and he basically, uh, if I remember the tale, uh, this, and he hoided back in, and then uh, years later, it started coming out the river weir and eating stuff and killing dogs and stuff like that. And uh, eventually he had to do something about it because he was the laird of the manor. Yes, so, so what happened was is he became lord at quite a young age. I believe maybe he's four or five after his dad died. But he was a little shit, apparently. He was just a little rich kid who was very spoilt and didn't really sort of... wasn't very good at anything either. Um, and he went fishing and he couldn't get a fish. And everyone said, oh, you know, avoid him. He's, he's bad luck. And it turned out to be true because what he did pull out was what, what he thought was a fish. But it was this black, ugly worm, and he threw it away, and then he had to go away and fight in the Crusades. And then when he came back, this worm had grown into a giant serpent that was causing terror to the people of Wearside, which I have no real issue with. But <laughs> <laughs> he was, you know, eating the crops, destroying the people, smashing up houses, eating people. Um, and then every night from far and wide, tried to kill this worm, couldn't kill this worm. And then eventually he went and saw a, a witch who lived nearby, which is pretty much most of the women of Sunderland. And <laughs> Do you do know uh, you're never going to work there again, mate? <laughs> it's only jokes, man. It's only jokes. I'll I'll punch a horse if they stop booking us. Now, he basically went to a witch, and the witch said he was wise to, to see her, and this witch advised him to, instead of attacking the worm from outside the water, to go and stand on a rock in the middle of the water where it resided, where a... a, a, a Body suit? That's not the right word. Oh, my God. <laughs> body suit. A morph suit. <laughs> a little jumpsuit and do a little pose and try and tempt the, a tempt the worm suit. It was Sunderland. <laughs> it's a track suit, isn't it? <laughs> How I want your finest I'll have you, man. I'll have you. Oh, then your finest you want your gun? Come on. <laughs> uh, it was actually a leftover from the Berserkers, was uh, <laughs> Sir John Lampton. No, but to go there in armour with covered in spears 
and then as they attacked it, the, 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 basically the, the snake would try and wrap itself around and would get torn up by the spears on the armour, and that's what happened. But one condition of this from the witch was that you have to kill the next living thing you see. Otherwise, the generation of Lamptons, the next nine generations, I believe, would be cursed, and none of them would die in their beds. They'd die in horrible ways in war. Um, and so he told his dad, this is, oh, no, so his dad hadn't died. No, this is, sorry, I'm confusing the real-life story with the, his dad hadn't died, and he told his dad, okay, dad, make sure you, you stay in the woods, right? And then when I blow the horn, you're going to release this hound. I'll kill this hound. And that's how we'll, we'll make sure no bad luck comes to our household. But upon killing the worm, who... Upon killing the worm, his dad, in his excitement, just completely forgot everything he told him and ran out of the woods. Um, and he, he couldn't bring himself to kill him, could Sir John Lampton, so he killed the, the hound instead. And then the next nine generation of the Lamptons were cursed and none of them died in their bed. But it is also said that this worm went and wrapped itself around a fort. And that fort is apparently today. Do you know what it is? Penshaw Hill. Penshaw Monument. It's apparently also built by a slave and owning family. Uh, something I would expect from that side. No. <laughs> but uh, that's where made where the, money. <laughs> <laughs> the snake wrapped itself around. And apparently that's why it's around on the outside. It's where the snake is, is buried or the worm is buried. Um, do you reckon it was true? How true do you reckon it was? Uh, I would say everything has a modicum of truth, and I think the truth that he probably had a crack pipe was the. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they were manufacturing well, meth to that, they, to maybe that maybe level been, in the thirteenth um, century. So the fourteen hundreds that happened in Mike. Could they get? Um, no, they, I suppose you couldn't have hash. You could have you no, know, not heroin, anything like that. Um, was he high on life? Uh, <laughs> or oh, it could be one of these tales where it just gets better. You know, like when someone dies on their ass at the comedy club. Uh, and it just gets better when you hear the tale with other <laughs> comics. Eventually, uh, it'll probably end up there was some sort of prehistoric monster in the comedy club. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it might uh, just Judging start... off certain Dispatches documentaries, there's a lot of prehistoric uh, monsters <laughs> around comedy club green rooms, I can tell you that much for sure. Oh, do you remember we talked about uh, Robert the Fool? Could have been something like Robert the Fool being slagged off by a couple of other um, jesters in some inn. Well, I think it probably was spread by a wayside bard. The truth of the matter is, is that Sir John Lampton did exist. He was the heir to the throne of, uh, if not Durham, a part of Durham. He did go off to fight in the Crusades, and he joined the Knights of the Rhodes, who were originally like monks forward slash nurses who would heal the wounded, sort of in the Crusade battles, Christian wounded, and then asked for permission. They were Order of the Rhodes, and they asked for the permission to be warriors, like the old warrior kings and monks of old, such as Oswald and uh, Bede, who we talked about in the past. And then from there, he went and fought with them, uh, and they were like, you know, warrior, nurse, monks, everything sort of rolled into one. And then he came back and there was a story that was told in the Night of the Roads, a very similar one, about a worm. Uh, and it actually ended with some French knight uh, who got his two dogs to uh, attack its underside while he attacked it. And then while he was attacking it, the, the dogs ripped up the underside because he noticed the underside of the worm didn't have the armour yeah. that the rest of the armour had. So I think he probably came back, told that story, and then it's got spread and Just spread and spread, think. attributed to him, and you seem, you seem unsure. Well, I, I think, I mean, the, the worm itself is like a, a, an ancient Viking or Saxon term. And if you go back to a lot of the um, the Viking legends, I'm sure 
dragons or worms, whatever they call them, you know, featured massively. So well, this is the thing about dragons I find interesting. And these sort of like worms that burrow through holes, these giant worms, they seem to exist in every culture, even the ones that haven't come across you. They, they exist in Chinese culture. They exist in yeah. Indian culture. Yeah. They exist in medieval European culture. They exist in Native uh, American culture. They exist in pretty much every culture that before they all sort of got to know each other. So I, I think they existed. You, you think they were dragons? I think dragons were real. So, like, here be dragons on, on these kind of uh, medieval maps. Yep, I, um, think, I think it was a fact. I think maybe they were leftover of dinosaurs. I don't know if they bred, 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 bred fire or something, but they seem to be everywhere in prehistoric documents. Giants are real, so why can't, uh, why my can't theory dragons on be real? Giants, um, they were a type of homo. No, that's not being... <laughs> But they discovered this huge skull and oh, they call it Homo so something, like Homo Longus, I think it was called. We are, we are so cancelled. It's all right. <laughs> I've got loads of gay friends. It's fine. Uh, are, I don't are, how it works. Are, but, are they giants? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, well, the bears are, definitely. Nonetheless, <laughs> point being is that they found this, this, um, this skull somewhere in Asia, Homo Longus, and it was a giant skull. <laughs> Uh, what most of the bottoms are looking for. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they found Homo Long, they call it Homo Longus. And basically, it was a far bigger type of Homo, not Homo sapiens. <laughs> this is so oh, wrong. Homo sapiens, oh, than Homo florensis, then Neanderthals, but it was a type of Homo, it existed. I've just become 14, I'm sorry. It's just, watch your rouse here, stuff, and you get them cancelled. Just every word didn't help, did it, Homo no. But these are, these are historic facts. Uh, these are scientific facts. Uh, and they do call big gays bears. That's uh, that's that's a lot of knowledge of going to gay clubs, particularly in Berlin, that I, that I understand that from. I am an ally. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think that could be very well the sort of true story. Maybe the, the worm didn't exist, but maybe uh, this French knight had to fight some sort of thing. Um, maybe it was a mad cat. We don't know, right? Had to fight some sort of thing. That story then gets passed to Sir John Lambton, who takes it back to Wearside. And like the monkey hanging story, most likely came from a Scottish village yeah. up the road. This sort of became Chinese whispers, as well, you say, well, well, and then attached. When we do this, I mean, everybody, uh, if your mate tells you a really good story, the next time you tell it to another mate, it happened to you. You just change it. Yes. Yeah. I, as, as the thing is, because comedy is inspired by truth. Sometimes when I'm, I've told a story so many times on stage, I don't actually know where the truth ends and the fiction begins. Right, because that. I've embellished some of the story oh, and then it's happened wait, so long ago. Like, wait, what, what is this? We are. My father is called Dominic, though. Nonetheless, that's probably an in-joke for anyone who has heard my material. Uh, which story would you like to crack on with? Oh, my from God. Well, well I've, got give a, I've got to give a shout. Obviously, um, Alan Robson, um, we like, like a northeast icon, really, is our Alan when he did Night Alan Owls. Alan Robson hosted Night Owls, a legendary fisherman. I didn't know he was a fisherman, but did that, you not? I, did you not have a show called Going Fishing with Alan Robson, or have I made that up? Robson uh, Green. Oh, oh, <laughs> all white people are the same to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Robson Green and Alan Robson. You can see what I've done there. Forgive me. So what does Alan do? Uh, well, Alan Robson, right? Um, uh, night I'm, owls. I remember him on night owls. Oh, way before night owls, because I'm old. Alan used to do. Um, uh, uh, because I was a hippie, uh, a really good rock show called Hot and Heavy on Metro Radio because we didn't have the internet we just had rock I can't, I can't really see Alan Robson having heard him on Night Owls as being like the leader of popular mm. culture I, I, tell, I tell this gets weird right I think it could have been Alan if he's listening was it you Alan my uncle Terry Terry Milligan the comedian from the 80s actually cut a record in the um, uh, called the Bingo Bop about <laughs> <laughs> 
No, to do with Halloween, but we're chasing it. Um, and he did it. It's history. It's history. It is it's history. Northeast history. And the chorus was, "House in the bar, checking in the lounge, nothing in the concert room." So we did this like bingo rap thing. And I remember the 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 uh, it was. Uh, cut in the studio in Chesley Street I know it's still there and I went to watch it because it's like 1981 but apparently only a year or two earlier Madness had actually recorded It Must Be Love in the same studio in Chesley Street a song mm. I discovered from the DVDs there Love Film do you remember before Netflix was a thing there was a thing where you'd rent a DVD and they'd post it to your house and the tune was must be love 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 and obviously Labby Sifri did the original but he liked Madness oh, did he? yeah but Labby Sifri said that um, he loved Madnesses so much he thought theirs was better than his version what a geezer to say that what a top man wow but anyway and so now that I don't know anything about him I think he, he Terrible financial decision. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This well, is well, an idiot. You well, might say it's nice, but you're an idiot. Anyway, what is his name? Something C say. Uh, Lave Cifre. Lave Cifre. No idea. No idea. Yeah, Good player no. up front for Wigan Athletic for a while. No, um, he was a he was a singer songwriter from the olden days. Anyway, so on this record, my uncle Terry made doing the bingo bop. Um, there was as it, it must be because it said engineer Alan Robson. So the sound engineer. So wow. I think that's where I first met Alan. So he was I, the sound engineer for Madness when they recorded... I don't know if he did Madness, but he was for me Uncle Terry. <laughs> <laughs> potentially, potentially. But anyway, Alan, so to get, get into this right, so Alan, um, if I remember going back to the early 80s, he, there used to be another legend um, who unfortunately is poorly at the moment, James Whale. Do you remember James Whale? Um, You're as too in young. the guy from the Likely Lads. No, no. <laughs> James Whale um, became on to be uh, do. He was a live talking. He was a talking host, and he did Newcastle. And he was uh, he started um, Night Elves. No, Alan was Night Elves, but he started this phone in, and then uh, when James couldn't do it, Alan used to stand in until eventually Alan made it his own. Um, and it was everyone listened to it. It was fab. I mean, I'd, I'd do a bit of material from the olden days about listening to Night Elves as a kid. But then um, through his show, people began to ring. People talk about all sorts, but often they would talk about um, the paranormal and, and stuff like that. Um, and Alan, in the early nineties, wrote a highly successful book called uh, "Ghostly Tr- Ghostly." Come on, Ghostly Tr- Ghostly Tales and Grizzly Trails which was essentially about the northeast and he'd collected all the, uh, all these i think from his listeners from his own experiences and i loved that book and then um he did a how old were you when you come across that book <laughs> 27 <laughs> 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 uh, it came out in the early 90s and um uh, as i was you know when i was teaching at that time i actually used to um probably terrify them now but i had a year six class so um i would re- read out uh, some of the the stories not just because they were like spooky. I mean, they weren't horrifying spooky. They were, like, you know, like interesting. But also, a lot of Alan's um, stories that he'd collected had a strong historical kind of thread running through them. So he would mention, you know, where and which events were meant to have, um, you know, inspired this particular inspired ghost story. The, the because they say Tynemouth Priory is haunted. Yeah. Three kings are buried there, and that is why Tynemouth. Uh, 
signet logo what would you yeah. call crest crest, crest that's yeah, the yeah. word has three crowns on it uh, one of the Malcolms from Scotland I can't remember the other two kings but they're buried there and it said they, they haunt that castle um, I beat him I, I didn't see him yeah. I, I didn't get no paranormal experience um, give us one of these stories then what, 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 right. which is your favourite um, so far uh, one of my fave was um, the Anic Zombie which <laughs> Um, that should be a lot of people in Anik on a Saturday night. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Paranormal, yeah. a zombie. Um, um, and, and basically, the, 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 I loved that the Anik zombie. Um, and it was meant to be this um, b- 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 this kind of aged hermit who nobody liked. Um, nasty piece of work, stuff like that. Um, not a nice man at all. Did lots of nasty things, which I can't mention on air. I mean, buy Alan's book if you want to read the full uh, tale. What, what did he? What did he do? I think you can mention it's a podcast book. I've just uh, told a reviewer he, to go. He F murdered. His <laughs> he murdered. He killed animals. He raped. He was. He was not a nice man. Um, but apparently, when when they buried him, why is killed animals in there? I just feel like yeah, slaughtered yeah. animals isn't quite as bad as murdering no. and rape. And I say that as a vegetarian. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> there is a there is a stratification to be had there. So they they, they buried him, and he was he was a satanist as well. Um, was a sa- who? So who was he? Uh, just this uh, old evil hermit, apparently. But he lived. Um, <laughs> this old evil hermit. Where did he live in there, uh, Anik? His old evil hermit. I was claiming to be a saint. I'm not that old. I can't remember the guy. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. You, it was, it was your pal, mate. <laughs> yeah, he's just showing up at gigs. You know. So, I mean? yeah. His old evil hermit. He lives in Anik. Uh, he's known for slaughtering animals, raping, murdering, and worshiping the devil. Yes. Uh, <laughs> what year is this from? <laughs> oh, I, I'm gonna, well, let's have a look. Because I'm busy. See, I'm paraphrasing, but I'm actually looking um, at Alan's book. So I would. Re- his, his latest incarnation is um, Grizzly Tales from Northumbria, which is kind of a. Um, I have this book on my a, shelf. A collection of the the best of his previous books. So there's some really good stuff coming to it, and I don't think the other two are in print. Um, but essentially, uh, he, he he began to write. He, he basically he didn't die like like a, like a zombie. Like a, um, what, what what year was this guy? Uh, it killed. I don't think it says. Hang on, oh, some okay. theologians. So I, some of them it doesn't. Some of them it doesn't. Uh, in this one, it, it's just in the olden days. Uh, do you know? Can you imagine what, if this was like 2004? Do you know? I think <laughs> we should maybe just get Alan on one night. That would be phenomenal. I think if he has the time, he is an MBA, very popular, in-demand man. Yeah. But if he would love to come on, I would love to have him on. Ah, but listen, right? And then what Alan did? He's would, probably would, fishing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe this would be a. Like Sharon, I think it'd be best to have you here. Yeah, the guardian. Well, so what's the biggest fish you've caught, me? Well, what what I like is at the end, though, um, where he actually then backs it up with um, a couple of more modern sightings. Ooh, so wee. so I'll read these out, Alan. Uh, I, I hope you don't mind this reading because we're pushing your book as well, mate. So we're we're, we're hopefully helping you. This um, is like what a couple of pages from what is a three hundred page book or something? Yeah, it's fab, um, and it's just just getting you like wetting your appetite. So Grizzly Tales from Northumbria by Alan Robson. Um, I've got mine off Amazon, so if you look look on Amazon, you'll get it there. No bother. Um, so. In January 1970, a student, Malcolm Hardy from Wales, which is really weird because Malcolm Hardy was a comedy icon um, who passed away a while back from London, I don't think it's him, was working on a local farm. Seeing the bent figure of a man with staring eyes dressed only in rags, he approached him and offered him a drink from his flask and a piece of Kit Kat. I'm sorry, that bit tickles me. But he, <laughs> but he got within three feet of him, the finger disappeared. The finger. The finger. <laughs> We haven't been drinking. Um, and uh, Cheryl of Pally in Sunderland was asleep in her car. 
<laughs> Parked on the main street in Annick when she felt someone fondling her right breast. <laughs> Sorry. Um, oh dear. She had locked. The, ooh, she had locked the car it's door. It's a big question, that isn't it? Is 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 groping funny when it's done by a ghost? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's. I mean, this because it's so bizarre. She had locked the car door, so she thought she was dreaming until she awoke with a start. She described what she saw for night owls. So that's she rang night owls. Yeah. There was this dirty, smelly tramp. Homeless person. Sitting, yeah, correct yeah. that language there. Uh, there was this it, it was dirty, just, smelly, homeless thing, person. I pushed him away and screamed, and then he wasn't there anymore. Um, can I just say, right, all these things I have had, right, when I read stuff like this, I'm actually, I do believe the people, because I've had my own ghostly experience in, um, well, I've had a few, weirdly, but one in Hexham does have a historical precedent. Um Hexham Monastery, as we talked about in the live show, and in a previous episode, was uh, burnt down by the Vikings, and the nuns and monks there were raped and murdered. So, could 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 have in terms of if that's how you believe. Well, I'm going to tell exist. you about the Hexham Poo ghost. The Hexham Poo. <laughs> <laughs> right, I, I've never, I've never done this one. It, it actually, well, this ends with you stepping in dog shit, Mike. I swear no, to God. No. It, it, luckily, I was on the loo when it happened. I can tell you, it wasn't. It was a bit scary. Um, so, uh, uh, in Hexham, there's a there's a uh, an old building opposite the hospital, which uh, used to be like a therapy centre. So I used to go there and get my hippy dippy stuff done about ten years ago, and the therapists had to do it up themselves. Now, previous to that, it had been um, an asylum for people. It used to call it insane. That's not a nice word, but that's what they used to call it. And it had been a workhouse as well. So if anywhere was going to have un, un, unhappy vibes. It was going to be that place. So this actually happened. Swear down, prop out, this happened. So um, everyone's got like a, what I would call like a premier dump place where you know you can go somewhere where you can have a dump in peace in with top facilities. So whenever I was out and about in Hexham, I wouldn't go to some dodgy pub. I would always go to this fine therapy centre. So uh, I went into, uh, it was a lovely room. It had like scented candles and it was lush but it had like a vestibule so there was a room on the outside from the corridor so I locked that door and then I went into the loo itself and I shut that door so there was no way anybody could get into the vestibule so I'm sitting there doing what you do and suddenly the door there was a bang on the door and I can only describe it I knew straight away there was bother going on because I heard first of all I heard like somebody I can only describe this pushing a huge Hessian basket. Like Define Hessian? Like Hessians, like, um, imagine a big basket, like a sacking. Somebody pushing a huge, big, heavy, like, um, you know, like, like, you know, the old warehouses and had the, 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 the jute or Hessian. So it was somebody pushing a heavy kind of cloth bundle. I could hear somebody outside pushing something. And I thought, what the hell is that? Because there's nobody can be in there. It's impossible. Uh-huh. And then the door vibrated. Now, this is where it gets weird because it was coming like from inside the door, like somebody punched the door, but the whole door just shook, right? So I was terrified. Obviously, Pancho and Angles opened the door and there's nothing there and the door into the corridor was locked. Now, this is where it gets good. Me mate, I call him by his first name, Martin, uh, was, uh, he worked there, right? And, um, Christ, about six months later, I was chatting to him and I related this. He went, whoa, just hang on. He said, I went to the loo there, he said, a few weeks ago. He said, and I just shut the door. He said, and I heard exactly the same thing, like something heavy being cr- pushed across the floor. 
He said, but instead of like a bang on the door, he said, I heard this like disembodied voice going, hello. He said, so he rushed out into the, into the vestibule. Nobody there. That is terrifying. Oh. At first, I thought you just might not understand how pipes work, because sometimes when I'm no. on the loo, you know, I can hear the, the water going through there. But that is actually really terrifying, and how similar your experiences are. So I think I'm never going to go for therapy in oh. Hexham. That, that's, it's close that's my now. conclusion from here. Good. Oh, and there's one more. That right. sounds like it would give you nightmares. Gets to better. Any so, mental... When I was talking to my mate who, like, because uh, when the therapists opened it up, um, they, had, they had to open the... They had to decorate their own uh, rooms because it was, like, long corridors, lots of rooms. And my mate Martin was saying, he said, there was many a night I knew I was the only one in the centre because I'd locked myself in to, you know, keep it so no scallies could get in. He said, and you could hear shouts, you could hear footsteps going up and down the corridors. Now, this involves me missus. Now, she was going there for some um, massage or something because it was a really good place. It was just a shame it was great. And she was talking to her mate who was like a therapist. She went, oh, she said, um, you know, there was a nice little um, uh, waiting room and the last on the desk said, oh, she said, I'm sick of the girl at the door. And there was another therapist said, look, I'm not going to be working here anymore because I'm sick of the girl at the door is really frightening me. So a few people had mentioned this. So my, my missus is sitting in the um, in the waiting room and the, uh, the receptionist had gone somewhere. She, she'd gone. So Leslie's sitting there and she looks and she said, and suddenly at the door between like the main road and coming into the waiting room, there was a young lass of about 16 who looked absolutely mortified, like you know, hair everywhere, distressed, looking really terrified. And Leslie said, looking back, she realises she wasn't making any sound. She was just at the door looking absolutely uh, at her wit's end, like panicking this girl. And Leslie said, something inside me told me, don't get up and don't let her in. She says, and then when I looked up again, gone. And there were several other people that she later checked with had seen exactly the same apparition. That's terrifying. It's, now, it was a very dodgy, it had a very strange feel about it. And that's verified, people have seen that. That is terrifying. Um, I, I have never had any experiences with ghosts, Mike. I once saw God at a festival, but let's not get into that for uh, my TV opportunities. Uh, what I will say is that I'm a bit reluctant to sort of jump into them because the next quick story I'm going to round off this episode with uh, is the witch trials of 1649. And you know, when I hear about this uh, old evil hermit who worships Satan and rapes and murders, I wonder what was he or was he just a bit weird? Was he just sort of how we saw emos or hippies once upon a time or how we see hipsters now? Um, because these witch trials were, they were pretty brutal. 20, 30 people were taken to the town moor to be tried for being a witch. They got a witch finder general from Scotland and there was a big moral hysteria about witches and doing Satan's work and trying to make men uh, weak. Uh, and there was like a misogynistic element to it that predominantly were women. Heavily, yeah, heavily um, misogynistic. They were also yeah. always found guilty or mainly found guilty because the witch finder general would get 20 shillings per witch he found. So he, he had an incentive to prosecute and make sure these witches were found guilty so 27 of those 30 were found guilty and how they would decide if you're a witch or not they'd strip you naked publicly which i think is pretty misogynistic in its own self because even if you're found innocent that's quite a shame in say, it's the 1600s. Great, it? yeah but i do find it mad that this is you know the 1649 this isn't even like that no. long ago no. guns exist this was after the siege of newcastle essentially some sort of idea of working towards democracy exists and yet still these fear about witches 
And they would find, they would say they'd look for a devil's mark, which we now know would be a birthmark yeah. or something. Like I've got one on my head. And they'd poke a pin in it. And if you didn't bleed, you were being protected by the devil. If you bled, you were you were probably humiliated and shamed for the rest of them. You're still probably second-guessed. In the same way, sometimes when people are accused of crimes they didn't commit and their names are all over the papers, their the sort of lives are shamed even if they're found innocent. And the ones who were found guilty would be executed, and some of whom it was said they were tortured, but the historical fact... It's not 100% sure. There's an example of, of one of these uh, people who was found guilty of being a witch called Matthew Bowman. It was said he was made to walk barefoot over broken brick for 24 hours naked while led by a mule. So I just, I always wonder are these things sort of maybe used to your story sound a bit valid, but this one sounds like a case of just 30 bit awkward people in the village, in the town, in the city who have essentially been dehumanised to the point that it's acceptable to put them through that. Well, I, I think that the, the stories which always, um, I think there might be something to them, is when um, you hear, oh, I, I'll finish with this one, it's not the North East, but this is a, a funky one. Can I finish on this one? Is that okay, mate? A, yes, a, a absolutely, great story, of course, yeah. yeah. Um, somebody I used to work with uh, was in the army in Germany. Oh, because I was in the army, that's how I knew them. Right, uh, I, got it, I got it in, I got it in. Um, and they were um, basically... i tell you what, if we're talking about things that don't exist, your bloody army career is one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm what they call a bloater. Uh, I wasn't in for very long, but I, I just make it sound much bigger than it was. <laughs> Not just my army career. Anyway, hey. Homo longus, right to the direct right of me. <laughs> oh, you can tell this isn't scripted. Um, <laughs> so... Um, basically, she was driving with her, you know, couple of month old baby to go to a christening. The baby was going to be christened, and we're coming back to England uh, to get the baby christened. And they were driving over Dartmoor because that's where, that's where. Um, sorry, that's my phone call. That's my dealer. Uh, <laughs> and uh, no, no, uh, Ford. Um, so, um, um, so driving over Dartmoor, and. Um, because she was going to, I think, one of the army bases on Dartmoor. That's where her family lived. And suddenly she said, I've never felt a feeling like it where I just felt absolutely sick with fear. She said, it was the most horrible feeling. She says, and the car stopped. The lights died in the car. She says, and I just got this feeling of utter, utter evil passing over the car. She said, it was horrible. She says, and it passed. And the car started again, and everything felt lighter. That right. sounds identical to the Dementors of Harry Potter. Oh, well, well this is long before Harry Potter, right? And uh, she said that she didn't think anything of it too much. She thought, oh, I've imagined that the car's just gone flat a bit. But uh, she then read a few years later of a legend going back to Celtic times, or, or, you know, whenever Christianity was first there, the legend that there was an evil spirit, an evil entity, a force on Dartmoor that roamed Dartmoor looking for the souls of uh, unchristened babies. Well, as an unchristened baby, uh, <laughs> seems like a racist ass ghost <laughs> yeah, yeah. to me. Uh, I have had some experience with ghosts in the northeast. Um, I actually see ghosts everywhere in the northeast, but that is what me and my family refer to white people as. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll leave on this. I think, I think, I think it is important that we don't get carried away and dehumanising people. I think, especially when you see what's happening in the Middle East, uh, the crisis with the Rohingya Muslims, um, uh, the crisis with uh, Eritrea and Tigray uh, and in Ukraine and Russia it's very important that we all humanise each other and, and realise we're all people born the same who want the same things and want to live in peace and harmony except from people from Sunderland they're, they're, they're not human 
<laughs> and I think we should leave the Halloween episode there, Mike. You're a lovely man, and uh, to our readers, uh, have a have a look. To our readers, <laughs> to our readers. <laughs> What on earth? They're definitely ghosts. They don't exist. Do they really think we're on the crack pipe yet? <laughs> yeah. Um, to, to our dear uh, listeners. To our viewers. <laughs> to our listeners. It's not a video. <laughs> I whatever. To the people who consume this podcast in whatever mode they see fit. We've been a bit daft tonight, but we've enjoyed it. Have a uh, lush time. Hope you guys have as well. This has been Time Travel Episode 16. Thank you very much, guys. A wish, a wish, oh, I wish it was here. That was a Feltnout production. To find out more, visit feltnout.co.uk.